Right. Yes. A Cubs podcast named after Cubs manager David Ross and co-host Madeline Schaumoser and Emma Cho, who are, in fact, a riot. I hope you can all feel the excitement today because today is a huge day for the pod. Mm-hmm. Emma, tell us why. Tell us why today is a huge day. Today is the first official installment of our Women in Baseball series. Woo, 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 woo! So you scream so loud, your audio cut out. That's how she, that's how excited she is, folks. Madeline and I decided there are just so many brilliant, powerful, and often overlooked figures in history or sports history and sports today that are women so why not make a series highlighting their awesome achievements and who they are just because women are freaking awesome and amazing and powerful and I think they don't get enough credit as they should at this point we would like to give you the big reveal of who we are hosting on this series today our first woman in the first woman in baseball history ever to ever it's ever woman in like to touch a baseball ever yeah it's a pretty big deal all right and now emma and i are so excited to introduce cubs beat writer for nbc chicago sports maddie lee Woo-hoo! yeah <laughs> thanks so much for having me you guys maddie we're so happy you're here we've been we've just been so excited to get this series started and we are so happy to have such a cool guest to kick it off with Oh, I appreciate that. Um, Yeah, no, it's really my pleasure. For the people who are listening and who might not know you, do you want to tell us a little bit about what a day in the life of an NBC sports writer looks like? We are avid followers of Cubs Talk podcast. um, Of course. Yeah, so my day really honestly depends on what time of season it is and honestly on the day. But in general, on a normal in-season day, I will, my day really starts with getting up, going to the ballpark a few hours before the game. Uh, We'll do, this year was obviously weird because everything was over Zoom. So even though we were at Wrigley um, and then I traveled to one game in Milwaukee, you know, usually we travel much more, but with the pandemic, not really tenable. So uh, getting to Wrigley, going through security and uh, getting temperature checks and all of that. And then a little while after we'll do, usually at least we'll get David Ross beforehand on Zoom, Um, sometimes a player as well, type up a few blogs, sit down, watch the game, um, and and write off of that as well. Uh, And then the off season so far has really been obviously a little slower (laughs) than covering baseball games every day, but also we've had, we just got finished with winter meetings technically last week, but um, the manager availabilities bled into this week as well. So similar thing, just not at the ballpark and just sitting in front of my computer all day. Honestly, going to the ballpark every day sounds like the life. I, I follow you on Twitter and I saw one, I think you tweeted one time from Miller Park and it was just completely empty and like a picture. That's so cool. It's wild. Um, I think before all of this happened, one of my favorite things, you know, I, I covered the NBA before this and then I did a MLB internship long before that. So I've, I've been and covered football. So I've been to a lot of different types of stadiums and arenas. Um, but my favorite moment is always after the game's all done, everyone's left 
walking back through that stadium arena as it's completely empty. And that's like such a, it's such a weird feeling. I always get a little bit of like butterflies in my stomach and realizing how lucky I am to be, you know, in, in this place that so few people are allowed to at that point. Obviously this year we had a lot more of walking through empty stadiums and ballparks. So, um, lost a little bit of the butterflies on that front, but being in Wrigley every day is just, I mean, it's such a storied ballpark. I feel so lucky to call that, you know, kind of my office. Yeah. Emma and I like, that's, that's awesome. Even just Wrigleyville has that, that magic. Um, and then you kind of talked about being in a, in a space that so few people are in. And then with this being such a competitive industry, especially for women, can you just kind of walk us through what it took to get where you are? Did you always know you wanted to do what you're doing now? And then what did it take to, to kind of, to reach Wrigleyville? Yeah, so I, I always tell people that my friends knew I was gonna end up in this industry before I did. Um, it started really with my high school paper. Uh, and when I was applying, cause you know, we had to go through an application process and we had one journalism class I did not get into it. Uh, it, and it's like just luck of the draw, right? Um, and so, but even if you're not in that class, you can still apply to be part of the paper. And so I was trying, I thought I was gonna apply for features. And one of my friends who was already on staff kept bugging me and he's like, no, you have to apply for sports. Like we need another woman, or I guess at the time girl, <laughs> um, please just do it. And I kept saying like, oh, I want like, I want to do more serious stuff, not just sports. So glad I didn't listen to my first intuition because obviously you can write about all that serious stuff and more lighthearted stuff. And there's just such a amazing broad spectrum of things that you can cover through the lens of sports. And so I did, I ended up applying to cover sports, fell in love with it, but even still heading into college, I was like, oh, this is a fun side hobby. And then eventually realized, because I was on track to do, I was doing more um, sports medicine type of stuff. And partway through, I realized the stuff that I'm doing for the college paper is what I come home and want to work on as opposed to my chemistry homework, you know? And so eventually switched, declared my major as communications. Um, I went from there and it's taken... I've moved quite a lot, which has been somewhat of a, a lonely process, but it's helped me really get a sense for different parts of the country, for different sports, as I mentioned before. And I always knew that I wanted to come back to baseball because I played Division Three softball. Uh, baseball was really my first love. Uh, I've been playing since I was seven years old. And I think even then, uh, I was the only... I was one of the only girls on the team from seven to 13 or whenever I switched to softball. And so I think that kind of set me up to be able, like from a young age, know what it's like to, I don't know, I don't have the right word. I was going to say function. That's not quite right. Um, but in, in a male dominated sphere. And so, you know, there, there are only, there are times when incidents will happen where you really think about it and think about your gender and think about your place in this industry. But often what I think about the most is that 
just by working my way up, I'm making some sort of impact, right? And I think that's, that's the part that I really love about, you know, I talked about wanting to do something more serious than sports. Well, I think even just, even if I don't pursue those stories that I really want to, where I'm pushing bigger issues, which is absolutely one of my favorite parts of the job, even just by working my way up through this industry, I hope to be making some sort of difference. That was a very long-winded answer to your question, but... It took us right to our next point. I mean, speaking to that, um, I guess, gender standpoint of everything, is what was the biggest challenge you faced um, in the sports industry from, like, a gender standpoint? It's a good question. Um, I think it's always just... It's little thing, right? So I've never... I've always been a woman in sports, right? So I can't say what it would be like to be myself but a man um so there you know there's a lot of instances where oh I can't remember who it was but another woman in baseball wrote a column around the time that the Marlins announced they hired Kim Ang and she had this really poignant part where she talked about how sexism is so nebulous like you can't just put a finger on it and be like that would I mean sometimes it's very blatant and that's when it's almost easier to deal with because you're like, oh, this person is just a bad person. And this person is just, you know, doing this or reacting this way to me because he does not understand women and does not think we're equal, whatever. The harder parts is when it's more subtle, right? Where you're not sure like, is this because, is this person treating me this way because I'm a woman? Is it because I'm young? Is it because I'm Asian? Is it because any number of facts? Is it because he's just not a, he's just grumpy, you know? Like, so, I mean, there are times where that, that might be the, one of the harder parts of it. And one of the parts where it's so important to connect with other women in the industry, because we have all these experiences that's that are so hard to explain but then once you all get in a room together and you're like oh this exact same thing has happened to me too it feels almost validating um but I mean there there are other really subtle things that women have to think about all the time that men don't necessarily have to think about right like women in general you know I and I don't want to make vast generalizations about about genders but um I put a lot of thought into what I'm gonna wear each day and how much skin I'm showing. And there are some very brave women who are pushing those boundaries. I think Rachel Luba, who's a sports agent, talks specifically about, she has pictures of her in leggings and a sports bra on her Instagram. And she's like, that's, that's purposeful because there's so many people in sports and in baseball who aren't used to seeing that kind of femininity in the space. And so she's pushing those boundaries. I am not nearly that brave. <laughs> and like, I'm wearing a turtleneck right now, right? Um, but I think in that way too, I hope to you know, push boundaries on what femininity can, can be. Um, other things like how you build sources where men can just slide into other men's DMs and not have to worry about what that might look like. Whereas women have to be very calculating um, in that sort of thing. So I think it's a bunch of little things that build up in 
And it's not, I've never had, thank goodness, because of so many pioneers who have come before me, I've never had to deal with being barred from a locker room or anything like that. I think our, our, our fights now are much more subtle. And then a lot of them also come in the social media sphere, which can be really ugly. Yeah. I think one thing that came to mind when you're talking about those like subtle instances of sexism um, with this podcast, Emma and I haven't been here long enough to have anything significant happen, obviously. But one thing that I noticed even within myself is talking to guys that go to our school and being like, they listen to the podcast and you're like, oh, you guys actually know a lot. And I take, and the first time I heard that, I took it as a compliment. And then I was like, come on, that's (laughs) not a compliment. That's so embarrassing for me. But you know, that expectation that they're girls talking about baseball, they're not going to know anything. And then even the internalized misogyny that, oh, wait, I impressed the boys, go me. Like, absolutely. No, I feel like that's been a big part of my growth since I was your guys' age is it's so hard, especially you know, I'm talking about growing up playing baseball with the boys. There's such an inclination to be like, oh, I want to be one of the boys. When they talk down about, you know, girls knowing sports, you're like, yeah, I'm not like those girls. And it's like, no, <laughs> like what we have to do is be like, hey, no, I am exactly like those girls. Like I am one of those girls. We're not all the same. Um, so yeah, I think that's a, that's a really, really good point. Making that a part of your identity and being proud about it and not diminishing it. Because it's the series, it's like women in baseball series. We're not trying to give women special treatment, but instead like highlight them. Yeah, absolutely. Because so often, I've, I was just having this conversation today. I think there's a lot of times, because there's not the representation that there should be in, in the sports media world, and especially baseball media, there often tends to be this, you know, a news, breaking news, Kim Ang is, you know, named GM, and suddenly now we're talking about women in baseball, right? Whereas, like you guys are doing, I think it's so valuable to keep having those conversations throughout the year and have that be a continuing conversation as opposed to just when a news event happens. Um, And I think the same goes for people of color. You know, we'll have a big news, like like we had the other day with the Negro Leagues being, uh, changing their, MLB changing the Negro Leagues designation to quote unquote major league and it's like oh now we're all talking about about it but why can't we have been talking about this all year or all the century since since the they were they really began so yeah it's awesome that you guys are doing this yeah and one thing that I think and maybe it's just because I paid more attention to the MLB this season than I ever have but I seem to notice um a lot more more efforts to promote equity and promote discussions and being politically active and things like that. And one thing that I always notice on the MLB Instagram account is whenever there's something with any political charge, the comment section is full of keep politics out of baseball. And I think with this conversation we're having um, and Maddie talking about dealing with larger issues through the scope of baseball, I think that, I think those are really powerful things that, that are being done. So I think that those comments saying, leave this out of baseball 
perpetuate that idea that it's so hard to make progress. Right. I, I, I'm always a little tempted to comment like, oh, okay, so, so we have these players who, you know, their profession is professional athlete, right? And they're not allowed to talk about the things that affect them in daily lives, their daily lives, or that don't affect their actual profession. So, okay, so you as an accountant, I guess you can't talk about sports then because that's not your job, you know? Like it's, it's, it, I mean, that's another racially charged thing. I think we saw with the um, shut up and dribble, right? That, that was always, that was a very similar mantra that we heard. Um, and yeah, it's, it's disgusting. And you don't hear the same amount of vitriol often when white players will talk about things that don't have to do with their sport, but are important to them. So yeah, um, social media is gross. <laughs> yeah. People are so mean. Yeah, I mean, when I listened to your guys' episode talking about how Jason Hayward sat out and people were just saying, keep it away, keep these two separate, politics and baseball. Like, that's his life. You can't just, and also all these um, professional athletes, they also have a platform where they have influence. So why are you trying to take that away from them? You look up to them. They're just trying to, you know, it's their life. So that's yeah, just- absolutely. I think he said, what did he say? Um, I wish I could stick to baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we would we would like to have a conversation on Kim Ang. I think just before that, I wanted to ask really quickly if there are any other women in the industry who have inspired you. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I was really lucky when I was interning. Uh, it was my so I did one year of grad school at Northwestern, and so that spring, instead of doing a regular capstone, I went and love the sweatshirt. <laughs> <laughs> I went and interned at, um, at the San Francisco Chronicle and over there, they have Susan Slesser covering the A's and she is one of the most well-sourced journalists you will find anywhere. And she covers the beat just the best that I've ever seen. So getting to learn under her, even before my career had really started was huge. Um, and there are so many other really wonderful, impactful women in, in terms of uh, sports media as well that are out there that because of a pandemic haven't really gotten to connect with so far. Um, but then there are also, I mean, obviously Kim Ang in terms of executives uh, and then Rachel Luba, I think I mentioned her before is an agent who's really breaking down barriers. So I think, once you start looking, although we may be outnumbered, it's a it's a really incredible group. That was uh, one of our goals with this is Emma and I realized after Kim Ang, like we were talking about keeping this discussion, not only after one headline, but um, we were looking into it. And there are so many, the first woman to do any number of things in the sports industry whose names we've never heard because it's not something as big as general managers. So that's kind of part of the goal of this series is just getting female female names out there because they're so much less recognizable than a lot of the other names in the industry despite doing so many incredible things and with a chip on their shoulder too yeah it's a good way to put it yeah 
really, really quick, and then we can, um, you could take it away. But so I say that I've been a Cubs fan all my life, but I think I've really been like a baseball fan recently. It's not just like go Cubs and things like that. <laughs> um, watching TV and going on Twitter and following the Cubs, um, Kelly Kroll, I think was the first lady that I ever saw talking for the Cubs. And I think she's with the Braves now, but I think she was my first person that I saw talking sports. And I was like, I want to do that. That's awesome. Yeah, and so beloved in Chicago too. Yeah, she did an incredible job. She's still she's still a hot topic in the in Twitter. Every once in a while, I'll see. Give me Kelly Kroll, bring her, bring her back here. <laughs> uh, so, Betty, if you don't mind, we already kind of touched on Kim Ang, but can you just tell us um, what was your reaction you, the first time you heard the news that Kim Ang had been hired? Take us through that. Yeah, I think my first reaction was to obviously be excited. Um, and I, I wanted to keep that. I wanted to hold on to that. And I think so much of our, of the discussion should be about how amazing this is and how amazing she is, but almost immediately my heart kind of sunk because it was like, oh my gosh, how is it taking this long, you know, and how both for women in general. And it also spoke to, you know, she's been grinding in the business for so many, for decades, right? Um, and and has been a top, you know, one of the most qualified candidates for the last 10 years in terms of GM positions, and it took her this long to get it. And so it was kind of, you know, along with being excited, it was another reality check of how women, especially in leadership positions, sometimes have to be just head and shoulders better than the competition. And so I think that was a very sobering thought. But like I said, I think I, I want to hold on to the excitement and I want to hold on to just what an incredible accomplishment this is for her as well. It's also a little bittersweet knowing that the Marlins are going to be, the whole organization is going to be under such a magnifying glass this year. Whereas, you know, Theo Epstein can make a few mistakes here and there and no one's going to say anything. As soon as Kim makes a mistake or something doesn't go right within the organization, I think people are really going to jump on her, um, which is another testament to just, you have to be that much more qualified to be, to be that first woman. Yeah, absolutely. The, the most <laughs> disheartening things that you'd see online were the ones where people who clearly hadn't even done a cursory Google search were like, well, I hope that she's qualified. It's like, Yes. <laughs> like you literally just had to Google her name and you would have immediately seen that she's qualified. Why in the world would you assume that a woman would not, would just be hired to be the first woman when that has clearly been kind of a, a barrier and something that, that has, I don't want to say held her back because I think that, you know, being a woman in this industry has been part of her experience, but um I think it's pretty safe to say that if she was a man, this might have come earlier. Yeah, and just like with those comments and stuff, like MLB posted this many postseason appearances, this, 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 and people were like, "She's underqualified." Look at the post. Right. <laughs> and I think the coolest thing ever is seeing someone who looks like me in a position like that. Not just with women representation, but Asian representation too. It's just incredible and. I don't know, is it the first Asian American ever to even hold that role, um, not just women? Yeah, so first first Asian American to be a general manager, 
second person of Asian descent to kind of oversee a baseball operations. That's awesome. Yeah. And to do both no, at I, the same time. I had a very similar reaction too. Cause at, and then as I started digging into the story that we did and got to talk to a lot of her former teammates, um, I had a lot of deja vu too, because I was a division three softball player. Also, I'm also Asian American and a woman in baseball. So it, yeah, very similar feeling of pride of like, we did it. (laughs) We, we collectively did it. It's hard not to look at that everywhere you go. Like, can I go this far just because no one that looks like me has been in that position, you know? Yeah, I think even even to take it outside of baseball, I don't think I realized how impactful seeing myself in like movies was until it sounds dumb, but like, uh, what was the, I think it's to all, to all the boys I've loved before. Yeah. So I'm, I'm half Asian, half white, and I had never seen representation like that in a movie before and I had never thought about it either until the movie came out and it's like cute little teenage rom-com but it was still like oh like a uh, it was definitely a moment of reflection for me too a hundred percent okay I don't want to I'll speak for hours about this but film <laughs> and representation I've done so many projects on that and papers on that I've taken like a film studies class and it's a thing on society too because people look at the big screen and they're like oh there's only five out of the 14 of Disney princesses that are of color I can't be a princess I want to be I have to be Cinderella or things like that and it's just so huge that what we're shown on the media is impacting kids in an unconscious way that's really hurting them and creating stereotypes as well yeah for sure and then to bring that back to baseball I think you know talking about Kelly Kroll having women visit I like I I love writing and that's what I want to do and I don't want to switch over to TV full-time by any means uh but I think it's also so important for people to see and hear women's voices um as well so podcasts radio TV and Hopefully that'll just be normal someday instead of people being like, ah, what? A woman's do you know, a woman's doing play-by-play for this game? No, it's a baseball announcer doing a play-by-play. Exactly. That's it. <laughs> I think this discussion is so interesting. And if we have any clothing, closing thoughts, we can obviously, because I think this is the most important thing that we're going to talk about all episode. But we do want to ask you questions um, about like, your your time with the media and the podcast and things like that but I don't want to move on if uh, we have anything else we want to say about Kim anything else um well I think that that covers most of it um I just think oh the cool thing about reporting on that story was how many women were so moved by her um by her hiring and her career path but also so very much not surprised because they'd seen these leadership qualities in her. And so, you know, those leadership qualities can, can be honed in, you know, maybe surprising way. Like you wouldn't think, Oh, what, what do you need to be a baseball executive? You need to play division three softball, but it's so clear that that experience for her, um, obviously she knows the game really well and was really entrenched in the game, but also helps foster some of those leadership qualities. 
Awesome. Yeah. And then I just thought it's a, it's a nice segue. Um, women being visible in sports as someone who's obviously you do write, but you are more visible than a lot of other writers with the podcast and some appearances on the TV station. So can you tell us a little bit more about, about the Cubs talk podcast? What's that experience like recording that? How does that all go? Yeah, it's been really fun. Um, Cap does such a great job hosting the whole thing and I'm really calling the shots there. Uh, it so far has all been on Zoom, uh, except for we did those a few that were in the studio last week for the winter meetings, which was lots of fun and felt more like a TV show. But it's great. I mean, that was really my first introduction because I came on board. I was covering the Thunder in Oklahoma City <laughs> up until the NBA shut down, right? And then came over here with this new opportunity. And so I didn't get to meet a lot of my coworkers in person for a while. And so Cubs Talk Podcast was really my first introduction to some of these, some of my coworkers. And so getting to work with um, Cap and Gordon and Tim and, and just throw around ideas. A lot of it is, is just kind of off the cuff stuff. And so that's been a lot of fun. Um, and then I think we've had a lot of great guests recently which is a completely different set of skills, but I, I think has, has also been some of our, our best ones this year yet. So little plug, go listen to that. <laughs> this is definitely my most, the question I've been wondering since I've been listening. So I think this was most present in the Chris, where you talked about Chris Bryant. What is it like when you're there and Gordon Whitmire <laughs> and David Kaplan are screaming their heads off at each other? <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. Be good friends to scream like that. And afterwards they're like, see you next time. Thanks yeah. for time. No, it's so funny. Cause they absolutely thrive in that kind of environment. Um, it's hilarious. And we're usually on zoom. Right. And so uh, Tim and I will, will just like mute ourselves and like give <laughs> each other looks as they're going back and forth. Cause there's no interjecting anything. And even if like, I've, I've tried a couple times but you can't hear what either of them are saying, right? Because they're talking <laughs> over each other. So if you just start yelling anything in the middle, no one has any idea what's going on. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's hilarious. It's fun. Um, yeah, Chris Bryant gets cap fired up. And then uh, the Quintana trade is another one where they'll Ooh. very quickly escalate. Um, but I mean, those, those guys are, are so well um, sourced and embedded in the beat. It's been really great getting to work with them. And uh, yeah, they love, they love their arguments. And I think they're, they're more happy after a podcast and about how a podcast has gone, if they've been able to, to yell at each other at some point. So. You can really tell they're passionate about it. They know what they're talking about because they both have very different opinions. And it's just, it's just hilarious to me because they're friends. I have never met <laughs> someone in that way about like something like that. I just, if I had a topic or a conversation with someone like that, I don't think we'd be friends after that. <laughs> you know, yeah. Emma, we're getting there. Emma and I, we're one of these days, we're going to be smart enough about baseball to just be able to just yell, <laughs> just yell sound off it. on each other. Yeah, I had, I had one moment, I can't even remember what the topic was, where Gordon and I shouted back and forth a little bit on the podcast. And I was like, that's a threshold. I've crossed a threshold. <laughs> it's a channel. Then. That is a big day. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's really good to know. Thank you. Now I have. Yeah, of course. No, so, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, sure. that's awesome. KB gets Gordon and can can I call them that? <laughs> Emma and I were like, can we yeah. can we call? It? Is it Mr. <laughs> Kaplan? <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, just call him, just call him Captain Gordon. <laughs> So obviously Captain Gordon get fired up about KB and that's something that Emma and I have been revisiting and we obviously don't have Jed Hoyer in our cell phone contact so we don't we don't have the same scope but we always talk about him and if we can pick your brain um, as a kind of the expert right now if you had to if you had to guess what do you think KB's situation is going to look like at the beginning of the season and at the end of the season I'm going to stick with what I've been saying all along until I'm proven wrong. But I think that he will remain with the Cubs. Um, Granted, there's so so much uncertainty in this season that legitimately no one can say. So I'm I'm just putting that out there. So don't, everyone who's listening, don't be like, oh, this is exactly what's gonna happen. No, this is my, this is my- client staying with the Cubs. (laughs) This is my gut feeling um, that Chris Bryant will at least start the season with the Cubs. I think, you know, they obviously don't want to watch him walk for nothing. And so um, my bold prediction is going to be that they're going to trade him at the deadline after he kind of um, is able to get back on track. Cause obviously last season did not go well for him. He knows that, uh, but he was so banged up through the whole season. So I, it's automatically going to be better if he can stay healthy. And so I think he's going to start the season with the Cubs, prove exactly what I said, that he can be much better when he's healthy, um, and then gain value by the trade deadline so that a team making a playoff push, um, potentially a World Series push, can then add him and, and have him be an immediate impact. And, you know, Emma and I always say, like, well – this is we we argued a little bit about this on our most recent episode but this is a reoccurring topic it's a reoccurring (laughs) topic yes that we want what's best for Chris Bryant so if if he gets picked up by a team that's gonna make a maybe he picks up another ring this season it would it would hurt it would be bittersweet but he's done a lot for Chicago and it's a little you know we want to see him do well yeah Yeah. very cool-headed fans (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we're a little. What? <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's an emotional bias of seeing a mm-hmm. players leave. Um, but okay, so the beginning of the 2020 season, I mean, or before we knew it was going to be like this, I think everyone might have had different predictions. But then seeing how 2020 went, um, honestly, in my opinion, I really do think he needs to stay a little bit longer just to get his trade value up. And I seeing him have a good season without injuries, that would be, I just think he needs to like not show us his potential because we've seen how good he can be, but just to emphasize on that and show us what he can do without injuries. Right. So he's not over the hill. He's young still. One of our recurring jokes is that he needs to eat a lot of protein and drink a lot of milk this off season. So his bones are so strong. There's That's no awesome. chance he gets not. Yeah. <laughs> Got to work on those ligaments a little too. <laughs> Whatever tendons. that is, some stretching, yeah. <laughs> and then while we're talking um, baseball, in a more literal sense, uh, one thing that we wanted to ask was if you were Jed Hoyer for 20 minutes, 
and you could make one decision for the Cubs right now about anything, a trade, something to do with the budget, whatever you want, what decision would you make? Um, it would probably take more than 20 minutes, but I'm going to bet on myself here. <laughs> I'd uh, sign Javi Bias to an extension. Ah, nice. Emma said uh, make Rizzo a Cub for life. That's and good, too. Find a way to do that. I'm going to find a way to do that. And then I, and said, I think I think both sides would would like that to happen. So I do remember at a Cubs convention, he was like, "If I were to go to any other team, I'd go to the White Sox so I can stay in Chicago." And everyone was like, oh, "Okay, I don't know really <laughs> sure. about that." <laughs> and then I said I would add a clause to Ian Happ's contract that if he doesn't collaborate, if the compound doesn't collaborate with the Ross riot, um, he gets traded immediately. <laughs> smart, smart, yeah. looking out for your own interests. I love it. <laughs> It would benefit them too. The compound <laughs> fans would love us. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. No, but uh, Javi's my favorite player, so I I approve your decision. <laughs> thanks, thanks so much. Yeah. <laughs> I really feel good about my 20 minutes of being <laughs> president of baseball. Ops. It'll go down in history. <laughs> and then I think we're wrapping up what we have prepared. Emma, do you want to take our last question here? Yeah. Or oh, okay. So. We are part of the DGN Omega, which is our school's journalism program, as she's repping the shirt. Um, so it's comprised of juniors and seniors who um, write for the school newspaper. And if our um, staff are listening, which I doubt they actually listen to our podcast. Um, they, they definitely don't. Maybe they do, but. Fire them all. Yeah. <laughs> We're thinking about it. <laughs> any aspiring journalists listening, do you have any advice? Yeah, I think I'd say, and I think I told Madeline this the other day, um, try a lot of different things. Because when I went in, I was like, I want to be a writer. And part of that has to do with what we talked about, where I think a lot of times, because I'm a young woman, people assume I'm a sideline reporter. And it's amazing that we're getting more representation on sidelines. But for me, very frustrating that people automatically assume that that was my, you know, my career path when that's clearly not what I'm doing. Um, So me being hardheaded went in and I was like, I'm only taking writing classes. I'm focusing on this. Um, but the, in the industry, the industry is changing and the industry is going so much towards multimedia. And so even if, even if being on TV is not part of your actual job, if you're good at what you do, you will get asked to come on and do TV spots for someone else. Uh, you will get asked to do radio appearances. You will get asked to be a, a guest on a podcast. And so try, even if you know what you want to do and you're going one direction, try out different media, try out different sports, and you'll become better at what you want to do by dipping into all those other things. Okay, awesome. I think that's perfect. So we have a last thing is we have a speed round to get to know you called 15 favorites. So we're going to ask you 15 questions about your favorite things. Some very juicy questions. Oh, <laughs> so juicy. <laughs> I'm um, ready. Uh, first, first favorite, favorite part of your everyday life or part of your job? Oh, um, working at a ballpark. Favorite thing about Chicago? <laughs> My initial reaction is the food. My second reaction is the lakeshore. And then I have a follow-up question, which is not supposed to happen, but um, deep dish or thin crust? 
Oh gosh. Okay. So this is hard for me because I'm lactose intolerant. Oh no. <laughs> but I do, I do make exceptions for pizza. <laughs> so good. Um, so I like, I love deep dish, but they have to be like physically prepared. I'll take the next one. Who is your favorite Cubs player? Oh, um, that's a good one. The first person that came to mind is Jason Hayward. Cause if no matter what you ask him, he's going to give a really good answer. Uh, so selfishly, he's, he's a really great interview. Um, but they've all been, I'll have a better answer when, you know, I can actually go into the clubhouse, hopefully someday. And then on this podcast, Emma and I love a good bromance. What is your favorite bromance in, in the MLB? Ooh, um, I think I'm going to have to say the compound. <gasps> wow. I honestly have listened. I, I started listening because of work um, and then just kept listening because it was a nice, like bright spot to my day. Right. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're really funny and really sweet. They give some good insight to baseball and like, <laughs> and I love um the whole Ian half like was don't won't smile but the recent episodes like yeah Ian sings Frozen and uh Taylor Swift in the car yeah (laughs) so good (laughs) you have a compound um host oh um I god I I feel bad choosing favorites I think I think Ian asks really great questions uh, especially when they have guests on, but I also, some of my favorite parts are when, uh, Dakota is, and Zach are just giving him crap. So. Yeah. No, the first four minutes of every episode is them just roasting Ian. Yes, hundred percent. And those are some of the best. So I'm going to, I'm going to hedge on that one. That's an impossible question to answer. Impossible. Um, speaking of co or host, I guess, do you have a favorite Cubs talk co-host? <laughs> You're asking me to choose. <laughs> Putting you on the spot. I plead the fifth. <laughs> ah, no. <laughs> well, at this moment in time, hopefully Gordon and Cap and Tim aren't listening, but at this moment in time, Maddie, you are my favorite Cubs talk co-host. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. Uh, this might be weird. I like Tim's voice. He's a good voice for a podcast. Yeah, he really does. He has a great voice. I'll tell him that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, tell him to give us a follow. Um, <laughs> what is who? Well, this question is a gimme, but who is your favorite shortstop in Chicago? Timmy. <laughs> huh? TA. I'm going TA, my favorite shorts. I know. I know. I just said that I want hobby. I signing to him an extension so I'm I am I'm giving Javi the extension I'm giving TA the title okay oh, just after Len said that too Len said yeah that. maybe right. Emma and I have to do more research maybe we're too naive and well, our hobby bias is better yeah. than everyone else well okay so I mean <laughs> he they're both so fun I think <laughs> it's a it's a really hard it's a really it's tough it's tough it's a good problem to have so blessed with with great shortstops oh yeah um 
and maybe my mind will change when I get to talk to both of them in person, but I'm going, I'm, I'm giving TA this. I, I'm, I feel like Javi now when he said that Lindor was the best shortstop, but he's El Mago. Yes, that's, that's a good thing. To, that's a good way to say it. Yeah. Okay. I got, I don't know enough about Tim to like really rate personalities I guess I just think Javi's just someone who's so inspiring and so cool just the way he plays but also everything he's gone through so from when he went to Puerto Rico or came from Puerto Rico and with Florida and then with his sister and all this absolutely happened and then like he um with his awesome performances and then not having such a great year the comments that are going to him are probably just almost at Chris Bryant level comments like you know the negativity but I think he's so awesome and he's one of my favorite players oh. He is. He's, he's so much fun to watch. I feel so lucky to get to watch him, especially in the field every day. Like he, even when there was one play where he was trying to beat out a, a single, a ground ball, or he was trying to beat out a ground ball and like dove and somehow got in there. And he eventually after review was called out, but like, even when he fails, it's so cool. He does it all in style, chains and everything. (laughs) Um, Our next favorite the favorite athlete you've ever met slash interviewed? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, met slash interviewed. I think Steven Adams is a really fun interview. He's absolutely hilarious. Uh, the person that I was most nervous to interview because it was very early in my career and I grew up with her as an idol was Sue Bird. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's legit. <laughs> that was super cool. Um, so those are the two that come off the top of my head. Another one of my favorite people to have covered just because of what he um, does on the court less for his interviews is was- Russell Westbrook. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome that you have like a, some, some really impressive names from, from, multiple spaces WNBA NBA and MLB I think that like you could tell that you're a very well-rounded sports journalist (laughs) so much thanks so much yeah I think there there would be more um baseball ones except I don't really count the zoom meetings as interviews so soon so oh and uh Cano was another one from when I was interning um and got to got to be actually being in the clubhouse there's there's That's awesome. Thing. I guess this might have been a little bit different this year, but do you have a favorite ball game snack? Oh, uh, as as a kid, I'd always make sure to get um, garlic fries at at Safeco Field. Really so good. good. <laughs> that sounds amazing. What is your? We might have already talked about this a little bit. What is your favorite podcast to listen to casually? Oh, there's a lot. Um, my Every morning, I listen to the daily just to be up on my, my news and such. Compound's part of my regular rotation. I listen. I'm really bad at figuring out what time ESPN shows are on, so I'll listen to PTI on the podcast. <laughs> um, and then ESPN Daily has been great. Uh, Mina Kimes was amazing, but I've continued to listen to it. Pablo's still really good. Um, yeah, those are, those are my more regular ones. Do you ever throw, um, that's what she said with Sarah Spain in there? 
Oh, I, I should listen to that much more. I've listened to a couple, but um, yeah. Yeah, I just recently started listening and I mentioned it so many times last week. It was probably so annoying, but that's a cool <laughs> one because I, I, I still got to get more. I got to work more of that into my into my routine. So. I love that. Well, I'm, I'm definitely adding it to the regular rotation for sure. Do you have a favorite social media app? Them all. Um, <laughs> it's probably Instagram. I tried TikTok for like a day and then quit. Oh my gosh, the Cubs talk TikTok. <laughs> oh my, oh my goodness. I'm trying to pick Gordon, picture Gordon on TikTok. Can you imagine Cap renegade <laughs> in the studio? I feel like Cap might get really into it. Well, MLB TikTok is gold. It's hilarious. It's funny. Favorite TV show? Ooh. Uh, so the best things that I've made, perhaps the best shows I've ever watched came out recently. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Okay. I think my mom watched that. And Lovecraft Country was just this summer. It's so good. Um, and then I'll throw Schitt's Creek in there as well. Those are all shows that I've heard of and I've heard very good things about, but I have not watched myself. <laughs> Highly recommended. Piggybacking off of that one, do you have a favorite movie? I'm very into uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which I realize is three movies, but um, yeah, I'll just stick with that one. <laughs> good answer. Favorite non-sports celebrity? Uh. I might just be pandering to Chicago people, but the first thing that came to my head was Chance the Rapper. Good one. Um, I've got well, Kendrick Lamar over my shoulder here. <laughs> Do you have a favorite song? Favorite Chance song? Or just favorite song? Or just favorite song in general. Ooh. Um, I... I sing Crooked Smile to my dog all the time because he's got a really big underbite. <laughs> That's adorable. And then uh, favorite or go-to coffee order? I'm gross, so I just do black coffee. <laughs> oh, I, I respect that. I thought you said, oh, gross to coffee. Oh, no, I just, I just go, I used to, I used to get fancy with it. And then I realized like, no, I just need caffeine in my veins and I just drink black coffee. I have like a French press at home and all of that. So that was 15 favorites. Um, we're running out of time. So we have, we were wondering if you keep track of your screen time on your phone. Oh no, I don't. And I'm scared of what it is. You don't keep, you, you I don't, don't keep track, but I'll, uh, let, let me see if I can find it. I've been meaning to since listening to the compound but I'm scared. It's, it's scary. My screen time is very bad, especially compared to Emma's. Emma like got really like intense about keeping it incredibly low. And she had a couple, like couple, she had a, like a streak where she kept her weekly average under two hours. Wow. Which is insane. Was, That's incredible. Like, got into my blood. I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm doing this, but it's just, it hasn't been like that for a while. No, well, mine's, I, and mine's especially bad this week. Sorry, go ahead. I'm going to show this to you so you know that I'm not cheating, but my phone will not load it. Oh, I, that's okay. <laughs> um, because in all honesty, Oh, wait, here is, it is. Oh, it figured it out. There's some. I was hoping, I was hoping we'd get it. We'd, we wouldn't have to do it this week. Mine's so bad, but I'll, I'll say it. I'll work say time it. that goes into the phone. Like, there's, yeah, most of it's work time. Like, 
Twitter's up there, which I count as work. Um, there is some mindless scrolling on Facebook, but ooh, my Facebook is way too high. But my Twitter is my next and my messages is next. So those are both work things. All right. I will. I'm going to go first, if that's okay, and just get it yes. over with. Sorry, I'm on my phone just because of the internet. So I did take this whole Zoom call on my phone. So that factors into my screen time just a tiny yeah, bit. Oh, it's really are, bad. Are you doing week? Weekly? I'm doing week. Your okay. week average so or your? My, my daily average for this week. Okay. Yeah. So it's really bad, guys. And I, uh, I, there's no excuse. Six hours and 43 minutes which is one of my worst screen times of the pod in the history of the pod. You had worse. I think you're doing I have had worse. But I'm but a little worse. Is it really? She's, she's Maddie, a business woman. She's a business yeah, woman. Yeah, she's a business woman. <laughs> she, has to, she has to DM important people. It's yeah, okay. Totally. We'll let it slide. <laughs> Mine is 6.58. My um, last week, I think it's more – Mine's a little bit lower this week. So my last week one was four hours and 37 minutes. Emma, just, you know what? Let's just, just put this into perspective. Um, Alec Mills on the compound, his screen time was eight hours a day. Uh, one of our first. And he has a uh, baby. And he has a baby. And he's an MLB pitcher. It might have been off season. One of our first guests had a little Netflix um, on all night, on accident, incident, and his screen time was 15 hours. Sure. Likely. Likely. <laughs> no, Ian, Ian would share his during the regular season, and it would be pretty high. So so it's not just us. We're better than Ian Half. That's basically what I'm saying. <laughs> just overall. <laughs> <laughs> the compound has nothing on us. <laughs> so that's all we have for today if you have anything you want to plug or promo yourself go right ahead or is yours thanks so much um yeah just read my articles on nbc sports chicago's website listen to the cubs talk podcast the podcast that went up this morning is awesome we talked to bob kendrick about the the news about the negro leagues getting the quote unquote major league designation. Um, and he was fantastic interview. And then I wrote about it as well. So you can find that on NBC sports, Chicago. Fantastic. And the NBC sports Chicago app is very user-friendly. The app yes. is very nice to look at. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Download the app. <laughs> Download the app. <laughs> Yeah, Maddie, thank you. can't thank you enough. We're so excited about this series, and we're so glad that you were able to come on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you, Maddie, for joining us. Emma and I are in love with you. There was a lot of fan behavior this episode, um, both when Maddie was on the call and when Maddie was not on the call. That's a little embarrassing. We might have to reel it in a little bit, a little less Asian fan behavior. Nation. What was that? Asian nation. Asian, Asian nation. nation. Woman nation. Woo! See you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on The Ross Riot. Riot.